to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well and I hope you're all enjoying the off-season break. Um, The news has started to heat up a little bit. That's why we're back recording again tonight. Um, We've got a a few things to cover tonight. We're going to start with DK Metcalf and his situation that's started to develop over the past couple of days and and, and week or so now. Um, Obviously, it depends on how much you read into it, but we're going to get into that. and then, of course, we're going to touch on Marquis Goodwin, um, the, the receiver that we've signed. Um, he signed during our break between recordings. So we're going to touch on him and his potential impact that he might have on the team. Um, and then we're going to, of course, go over the headlines coming out of min, uh, mandatory minicamp. Don't get my words out. Um, we're going to go over those headlines that have come out of that um, and touch upon those. And then we're going to finish off with any little free agency moves that we'd still like to see the team make at this point in the offseason, if there are any at all, that is. Um, because the, the squad is looking pretty set at the minute, so there might not be there might not be any, but we'll we'll see what the uh, the room has to has to say. Um, but as always, I'm here tonight with Mr. Positive himself, Pez. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Been Cruise. a while, hasn't it? What's setting this recording up off off air? Yeah, it has, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. We had some technical difficulties for for a while. That's the north. But of we'll, we'll do. We'll do take two from your original take. I've missed you, mate. And I've been looking forward to speaking to you again. I've missed you, Josh. I'll be honest. I have I, I have <laughs> missed you, Josh. Prick. Of course I've missed you, mate. Um, how are you doing anyway? <laughs> I'm brilliant. I missed you too, mate. Good. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Miss, I've missed recording the pod. We've got a, a few things to talk about now, which is quite nice. And then hopefully going forward, I've even more to talk about. So, should be so, a good one. Well, let's get straight into it then. Um, DK Metcalf and this situation that started to, to arise over the past few days. Um, he didn't report for mandatory minicamp, the key word there being mandatory. So, he, he, he had to report. Um, he cited the reasons for him not reporting as wanting his contract now and and wanting his money now. Um, So at this moment in time, we still think he's in Los Angeles rehabbing an injury that he picked up at the end of last season. That was the official word that came out of his camp. Um, 
so it, it's an interesting situation. Again, it's one of these things that do you read too much into it? I'm personally not because DK Metcalf has already been asked multiple times this off season, um, and, and especially since the departure of both Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner about stepping into this leadership role now in Seattle. Um, and especially if he gets this money, he's going to have to become a leader, certainly on that offense. Um, and he's, he's already said that that's something that he's going to embrace and looking forward to, um, to taking on that leadership role, that captain kind of role in Seattle now. Um, so to me, he's not giving off any vibes that he doesn't want to be here. He just simply wants to to get paid and, and wants his contract extension. And, and, you know, I think we can all agree that he's earned that. Um, like I said, I don't think this has been helped with Cooper Cup's contract extension that he's signed in the past couple of days as well. Um, just another indicator of the kind of ballpark that DK Metcalf is, is going to want to command. Um, and this is just a situation for me that the longer it goes unattended and the longer it goes unresolved, the more speculation, the more fuel that will get added to the fire. Um, and I just think it's in the best interests of Pete Carroll and, and the Seattle Seahawks as an organisation heading into training camp next month. Um, and obviously getting closer to the preseason and then obviously the regular season. The longer this rumbles on, if it if it's training camp in July and it's still not addressed, he still hasn't been extended, um, which I don't think will happen. But if that's the case, um, then I, I dread to think that the amount of trade lists and, and names that he'd have been linked with, and you're, you're already starting to see it. Um, so for me, this is a situation that needs to be addressed now. If he's going to start playing hardball, then unfortunately, give him the money. He's earned it. Um, this is the kind of guy you build your team around and um, yeah so it, it, it's not ideal but I'm not reading too much into it Pez what's your thoughts on the situation mate um, I, I'm not getting myself worked up really because mm. it is a sticky one because of the personality he is he will believe like your Cooper Cup your Devontae Adams who else got a big contract who's been in the league a while now? Was it Tyreek or did he get Tyreek paid? Tyreek Hill was like the first one. He got paid yeah. in Miami. Mm. Yeah. And then, and then, so I, I don't think them three should be an issue for DK, even though they probably will become an issue because he, of how he perceives himself. But at the stage of his career from me anyway, it's the contracts of uh, Christian Kirk, AJ Brown, them things. See, you pull your face, Josh, but that is my point because Christian Kirk hasn't proven anything. So DK's going to look at it. He's got the best agent in the world to get that contract. Yeah, so <laughs> so DK's going to look at that and go, there's no way in hell's green earth I am <laughs> getting less than that fella. Simple mm. as, and mm. that does become an issue. But overall, for me, it it isn't a th- it isn't a thing. But it's great for entertainment value to watch people start losing their minds and watch the national media start spinning it. Because I'm pretty sure there is some personalities in the national media who you who who would say that AJ Brown was better than DK. Oh yeah, but now because they've got a juicy story to start manipulating in the media, then now all of a sudden DK's on the same bracket as Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams and all them, when only a season ago he was below AJ Brown, Mm. in their opinion. 
So twelves and fans have just got to start looking at it and just go, don't read everything that comes across. Like there's some very key um NFL media guys who you can kind of trust what they say. But a lot of what's going to start snowballing unless it gets resolved quickly is just going to get the fans knickers in a twist for no reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Because no one's got anything to really write about at the moment. And it's just juicy. Like DK being with Russ on the weekend. Instead of turning up at minicamp when he was meant to be in California rehabbing, he's chilling out with Russ Potting's stories on his Instagram and all this kind of crap. And you know for a fact that's going to get blown way, way, way out of proportion. He's just doing what every other player did. Who remembers Cam Chancellor when he wanted paying? Mm-hmm. Was it not Was it not the regular season until he decided to come back? Yep. Like, people need to chill out. It's, it's just started June. The Seahawks traditionally don't really do contract moves. And don't get me wrong, it's going to bite them in their ass fucking hard because DK knows his value and what he means to this team now. That's going to put his value way up. But every time a big name player keeps on getting paid because the Seahawks love to wait till July and August at the start of camp to do their contracts, they're just burning themselves is burning themselves constantly and that's the thing what's annoying me about it mm. it's like has nothing taught you over these last couple of seasons that maybe change is good mm-hmm. but mm. I'm over, oh, overly I, overall I'm not worried about it he'll yeah. sign his contract we will probably look at it and go <sighs> but it's like you said, James. He is he he should get paid what a leader of a football team sh- should be worth. Yeah, that's what they're saying he's gonna be. That's what they're saying he needs to become. So they need to pay him, but then he needs to step up and start being a leader. Not really a great first example, but I don't think there's a single player on that team who would hold what he's done against him. No. They all do it. They all, they're all human. They all need to look after their own person. Because let's face it, like we spoke about multiple times on this pod, the Seahawks can be the kind of franchise who doesn't really give a shit about the legends. So mm-hmm. that's my yeah, opinion. It's, it's an interesting one, Josh. What's what's your thoughts on it, mate? I think I'd kind of echo what Pez said. I mean, from a leadership point of view, you wouldn't anticipate one of your, in inverted commas, leaders to be holding out for a contract that he knows he's going to get anyway. I, the, the Seahawks have never had Steve Largent barring like a talent like this, a wide receiver, like an exceptional talent. He's one of the best wide receivers in the league. Now, we've made some silly decisions before, but I don't think we'd be silly enough to let him walk. I, we've got to come in. I mean, you look at the sort of like, let's look at average per year, right, from the top five wide receivers now. Tyreek Hill, 30 mil. Devontae Adams, 28. Uh, D-Hop, 27.25. Cooper Cup, 26.7. AJ Brown, just to chuck him in there as an old college bait, 25 mil. You're going to be looking, he's going to be around over that 25 mil mark. It's not like we haven't got the money. We've got it because we've just made more cap space by restructuring Shelby Harris. And then the cap goes up next year and subsequently the year after due to all the TV deals coming in. So it's not like we can't afford it. It's just 
this is just the infuriating thing of the way the Seahawks do business, whereas other people go, just lock him up now, just get that money in his bank and get him at training camp, get him working with the young wide receivers, really proving what a leader is. Because at the moment, we don't know who the captain's going to be. So he needs to be out there proving it, in my opinion. He'll get paid. He's got to get paid. Obviously, at the moment, I think a lot of it is this whole Instagram story with Russ and Sierra is him just trying to light a fire under people's asses and saying, look what could happen. But at the moment, I'm, I, I, I don't know. He'll be back. He's got to be. You know, he's still got a year left of his rookie contract. He's got to be back at some point anyway. And then I reckon there's beering away in the background trying to get him what the Seahawks feel he's worth and what he feels he's worth and meeting in the middle. So, yeah, again, I'm not worried. I think it'll happen. He's too big a player in this organisation not to be. He's now the face of the franchise. So Yeah, and that's the thing the for me is, as well. Now now with Russell gone, with Bobby gone, um, he, you know, we, we are lacking faces as a franchise. And to have a talent like DK, um, it, you've got to build your team around these guys. And, and it's also, for me, a case of normally we'd say about, well, you could get good draft capital for him. You could get a couple of first-round picks. We don't really need that now. Now with that Russell Wilson trade, we've got two first-round picks next year. We've got like two second-round picks again next year. So we we don't we're quite sorted really for good high-level draft capital. Um, so unless it was a, a another top player in return, like it, it wouldn't even the appeal of two first-round picks. And it doesn't appeal to me anymore. Register. No, because we've we've got these you know three first round picks that we've had in the in in this draft and then in into next year's as well. So you don't need really first round picks at this point if you're, if you're the Seattle Seahawks. So um, it doesn't really make sense from a draft capital perspective. It makes total sense from building a new team. Go on, Pez. I was just gonna. Uh, I wasn't trying to cut you off. I was just gonna jump in and echo what you said mm-hmm. about seeing people saying about oh just trade him if he wants to be like yeah. that. What what's happened to this fan base? Like what has happened to part of this fan base? It's just just like the new, the newer, younger fan base who have followed since the Super Bowl years, who just kind of one track minded. It's like, are you insane? Just trade him if he doesn't want to be a trade him. We're rebuilding anyway. Like I've only been watching since 2010, but that was when Pete first came in and rebuilt this team. So. I sat on a game, my very first game in 2010, and they lost, and it was shite for your first experience, <laughs> right? Did he not realise you get rid of DK? What do they reckon the season's going to turn into with a Geno or a Drew at quarterback without an absolute safety blanket? Of a like six foot monster like him, literally, mm. them two. Gino showed it last year. He can literally make DK very relevant. Mm-hmm. And from what we've seen from Drew, but we're going to get on with with OTAs and stuff. He can throw a pretty sweet ball. Understandably, mm-hmm. no pressure. The things what people have question marks about him is the things we've not seen from him yet. But. At this moment in time, like, and then you you take DK out of that situation. What do what do people think is going to happen? Mm. Well, we'll look at that ninety eight touch ninety eight yard touchdown drive that ended with Gino to DK. If, if you take DK out of that lineup, he's, Gino's not good going on a ninety eight yard 
touchdown drive, in my opinion. Like we talked about how much sort of DK can help it, it, how much he can elevate the quarterback play as well. Having a receiver like that, like if if it's all in the best interests of Drew Lock playing well this year, then we need DK Metcalf on the field. He's a one, he's a one and a half thousand yard receiver practically. Like you just don't replace these kind of guys. Um, and so, and also what 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 people these trading warriors on their thingy and all these other fans who are getting carried away with him being with Russ and like getting overly carried away like them two have a really close bond because of when he first came into the league that's not going to change just because we're all a bit fucking pissy about Russ leaving or what whatever angle you want to come from but People need to realise as well, DK is going to re-sign, obviously, unless the Seahawks dis- disrespect him. He's going to re-sign because remember last year when on punt return, it, it, like two different games where he just went for a punt return. Yeah, yeah. Like playing street football then a lot at the back end of the season. And mm. these are the things now Russ has actually gone. It's going, it's going to benefit his game because he's going to be able to do so much more except for just be Russ's run down the side deep threat element I think they're going to use him and open the door to so much more and for a guy like DK why would he not want to stay here because he essentially is going to become the man the main the mm-hmm. man he's going to become the main figure and that's all he wants that's all he spoke about don't get me wrong he wants to win but could you imagine let's just say DK resigns. He is the face of the offense, and then they manage to get to the playoffs and like exceed everyone's expectations of them. Get deep into the playoffs, something we've not done for many years now. Like that's that's perfect scenario for him. So I don't. People need to chill out. People need to really chill out, especially with trade talks, because what do they want this team to turn into? Yeah. Trade him because oh shut up like <laughs> yeah I mean you're not going to get very far if all of a sudden your best player comes to a contract kind of deadline he says he wants his money and you go oh well we're not ready yet so we're going to trade you you're not going to get very far as the team building like that like it, it's just not going to work um, let's get to another receiver though that the Seahawks have picked up since we've been, last been on air uh, Marquis Goodwin 32 year old receiver. Um, most most notably known for his time in San Francisco, where he did play well, but he's had a few personal problems and and, and a few personal issues in his in his life. Some unfortunate things that have happened in his life um, that that cost him some playing time as well. I think he's lost two or three children. I think um, him and him and his uh, his partner, um, it's obviously absolutely tragic. Um, he's also had a few injury problems as well. Um, but what we do know about Marquis Goodwin is when that he has been on the field in the NFL. He is electric. He's got track speed. He's represented the USA in the Olympics in the in the track and field events. Um, he, he's lightning quick, and, and we've heard Pete Carroll say at minicamp, um, you know, that he he doesn't seem to have lost much of his speed. He still looks quick. He still looks fast and lightning. And and Pete's already said that we'll come on to in a little bit as well that this might be the fastest team that Seattle have had, and and it's through guys like Marquise Goodwin. You could understand why. Um, it, it, it's a it's a low risk sort of. I don't know about high reward because I don't really know what the ceiling is for Marquise Goodwin. For me, when this news was announced, it I, I, the more the angle in terms of the story coming out of it for me was more paved at 
Eskridge and his future, in my opinion. Um, I, I'm not convinced that Eskridge, I don't. I think I think he'll be on the roster for this year, but I'm really not convinced that the Seahawks are totally sold on Eskridge. They come out and and tell you that they are and they say good things about him. Um, but he saw very limited playing time last year. He's already 25, which is not old, but you know, for a second-year guy, 25 is is quite old. He's going to be 26 by the time the season finishes. Um, he, like I say, hasn't seen a lot of playing time. And then they go and take a really sort of well thought of and and hyped up prospect like Bo Melton, who who does a lot of things similar to D. Eskridge does coming out of college well. You know, he's small, but he's quick and, and, and can run all the route, you know, and all that kind of thing. He's a very similar prospect to D. Eskridge, and he's 23 opposed to 25. You also take Derek Young as well. So it, it it was just interesting as well that they didn't sort of take any other that they, they used the last two picks on receiver in the draft. Then they go and get Marquise Goodwin as well. Um, Something something doesn't sit right for me there. I know they're just trying to beef up the the roster ahead of training camp and 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 get the competition going at receiver. But they've already got a number of guys there like Penny Hart, Cody Thompson, Cade Johnson, um, Aaron Fuller. You know, it's not like they necessarily needed to go out and get all these guys just to beef the roster up ahead of training camp for competition. I, you know, I think they've drafted these guys and signed Goodwin. You know, to potentially take that spot and. Um, it, this, this for me, this really just doesn't spell great things for D. Eskridge, in my opinion. It, it, it's not reading well for him, in my opinion. Um, and he's one of my sort of hot takes, if you like, to, to maybe not make the roster, maybe be, maybe get cut before. It, I mean, uh, who, who knows? It, it's not reading well for him. Um, we know, we hey, Pez, you know, I like my hot takes on here. Gerald Everett, mm-hmm. tight end, you know, receiving yards leader for last year, wasn't he? You know, Johnny Rattigan, <laughs> Hall of Fame, starting linebacker. Uh, you know, we won't get into it. Um, but what's your opinions on Marquis Goodwin then, Pez? What, what's your thoughts on that side? Um, personally, like I do know he's had personal, like personal difficulties in the last couple of years, what could have affected his production. Mm. But you look at his last couple of years, it's like. Oh, it doesn't jump out he, at you, does it? He, he 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 didn't start he didn't start a game last year, and then like nine games, eleven games. That's nineteen, eighteen. But then, like his best year is by the looks of it, two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen. Mm. Um, but that's like targets, yards, receptions. Um. One thing he's got good, what he's done well all year, and I'm guessing this is his speed, is his yards per catch. Oh, they're, they're double digits for the last five years he's played. Well, six years, every single week, like 2015 up. He, sorry, actually, two, uh, 2020, I'm going to pull it back. He opted out because of COVID. Yes, he did, yeah. So that probably wouldn't have helped his career because of his personal things with losing like you said losing uh, the babies and things he mm. his wife was pregnant at the time and he didn't mm-hmm. want to risk and that's fair enough and that's quite honourable to him Absolutely, at the stage yeah. of his career um, I just see him personally as a, he's one of them Pete pickups who if anything he was brought in to help the Eskridge not mm. to hinder the Eskridge mm-hmm. you look at um, but in the same sense, look, we're going to get onto OTAs and things like that. He has stood out. Yeah. 
Yeah. He, he, he has been standing out in that group and we've got a very deep group of receivers. Um, I just feel like he, he is a camp guy. Maybe, mm. you know, practice squad, elevation. He's certainly a, a veteran presence, really, when you look at that receiving room. Other than Tyler Lockett, that's a really young receiving core that we've got, which is obviously good, you know, for, for the long term. But there aren't really many veterans at that position, you would say. So is it that, you know? I don't know. It just it just depends whether they're going to break the mould, really, doesn't it? Because they yeah. normally take four wide receivers. And at the moment, we have Eskridge, Aaron Fuller, God, uh, Goodwin, Penny Hart, Kay Johnson... Tyler Lockett, um, Bo Melton, mm. DK Swain, bloody list goes on here, Jesus. And that's what I'm getting at with, with the Eskridge being potentially released because when you actually look at that, if they're going to take four receivers, you've got DK and Lockett at your logs. You're not going to not cut Freddie Swain. He's going to be on the roster. So then it's really potentially a battle between Bo Melton, Derek Young, D. Eskridge, Marquise Goodwin for that fourth and maybe fifth spot at a push. And I'd they like to see have- Bo Melton on the roster. They do have an issue. They have a, they have an issue this year where I th- <clears throat> my feeling is they're going to carry more wide receivers than they have done any other year because you cut Bo Melton and Derek Young, mm. you will not get them back. They'll, no. be, they'll get claimed because <laughs> Bo Melton, a lot of people coming out of the draft are saying he's saying he's one of the like steals. The Seahawks mm. got a proper steal with him there. So, mm-hmm. It's I do tough, know what you mean, it? and it's, yeah. it's, it's his injuries because you look at all them players. But do you know what it is? It's just it is what it is every single year. Mm. Penny Hart and Cody Thompson, yet again, are standing out in OTAs. Mm-hmm. But even though, like, I had a thing with uh, Penny Hart, I when I watch him, I do like him. I like how he plays. I like how he runs his routes and things like that. But realistically, I think. He might not. He might get cut and be cut this year. But well, you know, he's lost his connection with Russ now, hasn't he? You know, that was the only thing keeping yeah, him on the roster, really. Yeah, but like you could joke about it, but he, he's the one standing out yet again. Mm-hmm. He's the one standing out yet again. Yeah, so is that just a it's thing? Easy to is stand out. Just... Not wearing pads, and you're basically catching against ghost defenders. Like <laughs> this might be a thing. He it might be because literally they just perceive him as. A, a practice squad guy, so they give him, they give all their practice squad guys a chance. But I think he's been here too long uh, now. It's hard because you look at the list and it's like, where does Goodwin? Where does Goodwin fit in? Unless they keep mm. him on the roster on special teams to do returning. I I, I think, like I I agree with what you said there. For a change, Pez. Like, I, I think he's. There we go. We're growing as a pod. Um, I, I think he's been brought in as a veteran presence. He was a free agent. You bring him in. Obviously, you look at his speed. You look at the fact he's been in the league for seven years, playing. He's in there to teach these young players how it's done. He has been shining in like in OTA. You know, you can't like in mandatory camp as well. Like, you, you cannot take that away from him. He's fighting for that roster squad, roster spot, but. Like, like I said, look at the average age of the re- the receivers we've got now. Like James, you have said it as well. Like, it, mm. I don't see having a thirty-one-year-old receiver who, looking at his stats, he's not exactly a touchdown machine. You know, 
I mm. there's pointless carrying him there just for the sake of having him there. Like he might be practice squad. He might they might release him and then possibly say like, look, just be ready just in case. I don't see it. I think I think people like unfortunately Penny Hart, your Thompsons, you know, Kay Johnson. Those people again going to fall by the way, signing with practice squad. It's going to be Derek Young and Bo Melton that'll probably go through with Swain, Eskridge, um, and DK and Lockett. That that's it. I can't see anything else past that because, like Pez said, if we let the rookies go into training camp, they'll get picked up off waivers. That's it. Done. Not going to see mm-hmm. them again. Um, and I think having someone like Goodwin in as good as he's been in camp, I, I think we're just trying to build too young of a roster to take forward now, just to carry a 31-year-old first year on the team who hasn't got the historical production. Fair play, you know, his, his, his average yardage per catch is, is decent, but mm-hmm. do we need it? Is he actually going to see enough playing time to produce that? I don't think so. I, I really don't. I, I fair play to the lad. He's, he's trying hard, and he's every report I've read and everything I've listened to has said that he's really trying to show he can be a leader and he can sort of tell people his experiences and help coach young lads up. But that's it. That's I think that's all we're going to get out of him. It'll be sad because he's he's obviously had problems, and I you know I, I don't envy him for it. And he's fought through them, but no, he so, caught or practice squad. That's it. Bosh done. And. Also, just to echo what Josh is saying there on the yards per catch, like if that's the only thing you can really say for him, then you just pull up Tyler Lockett's stats since he's been in the league. Exactly. Pretty much exactly the same, if not better, consistently since 2015 every single year. And his touchdowns are there as well. So he's got the yards per catch and he's got 10-8-10-8 with his last four seasons. Goodwin's like great yardage guy, but then it's like one touchdown, two touchdowns. He's just, I just don't see where he, there's a place for him at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's and an interesting leader, one. It's... Sorry, leader as well, like Josh said. You don't need him. You've got Tyler Lockett. Yeah. You just don't need him. Yeah, like, say, like you said, Pezzi, he has the feel of just being a, a depth for training camp kind of guy. See how he does. Bit of a veteran presence, you know, maybe mentor a few guys and 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 maybe try and sneak him on your practice squad, maybe just release him. It, it's going to be something along those lines. Um, but it's an interesting move and, and we'll see where it goes. Um, obviously, a guy that we can all root for because, like I say, of his personal situation. So we do wish him all the best, whatever happens with him. Um Let's move on to the headlines that have come out of mandatory minicamp. Um, there's been quite a few interesting little quotes and snippets and, and potential storylines that have come out of the three-day process. Um, one of the ones that I picked on, picked up on um, was the battle at right tackle. Um, Pete's actually come out and said now, and, and the interesting thing about this is because we drafted Abraham Lucas, we all mm-hmm. think, right, he's the lock-in for the starting job at right tackle. He may well still be. Um I think we all still expect him to be the starter come week one. Um, but there's been some interesting comments that have flown around and, and, and come out of Pete's mouth about Storm Forsyth. Obviously, the pick that they, they picked in the in the sixth round or the fifth round, I can't even remember now, of, of the previous draft, um, who didn't see a lot of playing time last year, but when he did play, showed some glimpses of potential. Um, obviously, he's a, he's a mountain of a man. but He's a big old of, boy, isn't he? He's a big old boy, um, <laughs> but I think he had a few few flaws and, and you know it was solid in the run game but maybe could have could have you know got better at his, at his pass protection 
but Pete's come out and I've got the quote here saying that Stone has really improved with time. Um, you can't tell who is ahead right now. Those guys all did a nice job. Um, they're a little bit different, but Stone is really, uh, and then comma, he's become better. He's physically better than he was as, as he came here. Um, he's stronger, he's more flexible, and he can play both sides. So he's definitely in it, um, is what Pete said. So it, it seems like Stone has gone away and, and really... You know, obviously he's seen the pick of Abraham Lucas and 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 knowing that if if he wants to be a starter now he's got to he's going to have to beat out Abraham Lucas and um, it, it's just an interesting battle that potentially you know like I say we all think Abraham Lucas is going to be the starter and maybe maybe that's not going to be as 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 straightforward as we potentially think obviously you know we all know Charles, Charles Cross is the lock at left tackle but. On the opposite side, it's been one of those questions rumbling on during the off season with the release of Brandon Sheld and 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 are we going to sign a right tackle? You know, someone like an Eric Fisher who could maybe play a right tackle or or even resign George Fant from the Jets. He had a good year with the Jets. Would you bring back someone like him? They didn't do. They go and get Abraham Lucas, and we all think that's that sorted. And and maybe it's not. So that 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 was an interesting quote that I saw from Pete that I thought I'd I'd pick up on um, that isn't maybe being talked about enough at the minute. Uh, maybe going a little bit under the radar. Um, I'm going to lead on. You might have one as well, Josh, but I'm going to lead on to one for you because I, I think you'll give the best explanation of this, and that's Chris Carson. Um, he's obviously come out and said that he believes that he can still play and he still wants to play, whereas Pete Carroll has pretty much said said it for him that you're not going to play, you're probably going to retire. Pete's pretty much put the nail in his coffin and, and said something along the lines of that he, he, he doesn't think he's he's going to play. He thinks that he may have to retire. Um, you can, you jump, can give us the lowdown. Go on, Pez. Just to jump in there, um, if you actually go back to his interview talking about this, he talks about him in the past tense. Now, you can read mm. what you want in it, but he talks about him in a past tense, not in, a, not in the present. Like he expects him to come back. He talked about how he was, not how he is. So go on then, Josh. You tell us the the medical definition of what's going on here. So he's had a cervical spinal um, fusion and discectomy. Uh, it's, it's shorthand, it's an ACDF. So they, they call it an anterior cervical discectomy infusion. So what they've done is it means that there's probably been compression on his vertebrae and internal spinal cord. Um, and they've basically spaced it out. Uh, they go in through the front, clean it all out, space it out, and then they fuse it using, I think it's titanium. I don't know. I don't go off when I go through metal detectors, so it can't be anything like that. Um, but yeah, they basically fuse it. So where his are, your vertebrae from the base of your skull, it goes C1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Um, he has got right in the middle of your neck. So it's C4, 5, and 6 are fused, so they cannot move now. Um, speaking from personal experience, it's an absolute shit show. It's horrible. Um, it also means that if it is spinal cord related, then he is going to be up shit street. If he get if he takes any type of hit, he'll be paralysed from the shoulders down. Um, it, it's a no go. I put this on our, our Instagram as soon as I saw it because I was up at stupid clock with my toddler and I saw it come from a doctor um, on Twitter. Um, just showing the the x-ray of his neck and it is nearly identical to mine um, and I was stupid enough to go back and play rugby after being told not to and I paralysed myself from the shoulders down and in Carson in a position where he runs head first into big old units it's a no-go I'll, I'll put it out there now 
ahead of any other podcast that he's not coming back if he comes back like there's no medical insurance in the US that will cover him the Seahawks I don't think morally would be able to let him play mm. it's all about quality of life going forward because you can recover from a spinal cord injury but you're never the same your sensation your touch your feet your fingers your, your cognitive functions they all change I think the Seahawks will just take an executive decision and go sorry Chris did you think this is just Chris potentially with him coming out from his side saying that I, you know, I'm still ready. I still think I want to play. Do you think that's just a little bit of stubbornness, a little bit of sort of, you know, wanting to believe in himself and, and maybe not accepting it? It's a sportsman's mentality. So it's obviously he plays professional sport. I, I never got there, but it, it's that when you've played a sport that's become part of your life since you were a young child. So you start at like eight or nine, right? It becomes, it's a big part of your life, big part of your character. So it gets to a point where when you get told you can't do something because of an injury, you can't play that sport. The sportsman in you goes, no, I can. I'll prove you wrong. You can get medical advice. I had multiple sort of like opinions on it, and they all said the same thing. I had a two-year break, then went, you know what? I'm going to the gym. I'm fit again. I can play rugby again. And then it all went to its up, and that, that was really chance for me. I probably could have got away with it, but Chris Carson in his position, there's no way. No way on God's green earth, if he went back to playing football at running back, would he end up walking off a field at some point. It will take one knock to the top of the head, one knock to give him whiplash or anything like that. It could sever his spinal cord. It, it's not worth it. I mean, I know as a sportsman, you want to go back and play. It's a game you love, but just don't do it. Just don't do it, Chris. It's not worth the rest of your life. And like you say, we've seen the first first-hand example that we've referenced a few times in in in, in pods. This uh, is Ryan Shazier. You know that kind of injury. Yep. That's that's all it takes. And and look at Ryan Shazier. Um, and and he didn't have Chris Carson's surgery. He didn't have anything like that. And it just shows it can it can happen to anyone, let alone someone who's already had uh, a form of spinal surgery. So it's just and and, and like I say, they've taken Kenneth Walker now. Um, they've got a potentially healthy, fully healthy going into the season, Rashad Penny. They've got guys behind them as well. And, and like I say, running back is such a replaceable position in, in, in the modern day NFL. Um, it, it, it's really not worth it. In, and, and like you say, it, it's not worth it for his health, plain and simple. Um, I don't know if you had a, I don't know if you had another um, headline that you wanted to get on out of out of camp before I put those put that one into your into your mouth, Josh. If you want to touch upon anything else. <laughs> Uh, I mean, from from camp, my the, the biggest thing I wanted to bring up was sort of everything I read about Marfe in training camps. It's just superlatives from coaches, from players. His is he got comped to Cliff Averill. Yeah. Now that's pretty high praise indeed. Yeah. You know, and this kid's come straight out of Minnesota, and he is lighting up. The, the training pitches and it, it gets me really excited because when you look at who we thought we were going to have as our starting outside linebackers and then he comes into the mix and you think actually that's going to be a healthy competition there. I think Daryl Taylor's going to be number one but between Nwosu and Marfe that's that's a healthy place to be in from an outside linebacker point of view. That, that was my biggest takeaway and that's what's got me the most excited. Um, the Eskridge thing we touched on before and he's just having a, a Rashad Penny type of uh, yeah. off-season where he just can't, he can't get fit. Yeah, It's like we had uh, one of our Twitter followers. So he actually, he, one of the things he wanted to say was hamstring injuries. We've got four or five players that are currently out with hamstring injuries, and mm-hmm. it, it, no one can say why. 
I don't know if it's the fact they play on those three, four, five G, whatever they are, pitches, whatever reception they get on them anyway. Um, if they play on them and that has a problem with it, if it's just a lack of conditioning, if it's it's just a historical thing where people aren't working on them throughout like college, but that just seems to be a really prevalent injury. Mm. And it's constant, like Penny was prime for it. He always had tight hamstrings of some type. He was out for a little bit during training camp. It 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 concerns me a little bit. And I'd love to see why it's happening and have someone do a bit of root cause like analysis on it to see why all these people are out with tight hamstrings mm. before one of them gets a proper tear and they're out. So they, they were the main things for me from training camp. I'm, everything I've seen, I've, I've actually been I've been a bit excited about. There's like a sense of the unknown. Even the Gino and Drew Locke stuff. It's uh, a, yeah. lot of, a lot of positive vibes coming out of the camp, I, I must say. Pez, you, you, you're smiling there, you're grinning there. Is it the mention yeah. of Gino Smith? <laughs> is that your headline? Is that is that the quarterback battle that you um, want to touch on? I was going to. Like, it is, it's the main thing, isn't it? It is the, mm. the main thing to talk about. Um, I just, it is all positive and it does get you excited. It, it is right. And like any, any regular listeners will know, like I bash Pete to death and I Biggest will. Biggest fan, what are you on about? <laughs> like I said, <laughs> it's proved me wrong season when it comes to Pete. And it's the fact that I don't like, I don't dislike the guy and I'm not saying he's a bad coach it's just when he comes out in his interviews and it's all positive and it's rah rah yeah yeah and everyone gets all buzzing and excited I just tame me like I tame my excitement on it all because we know what we know what Geno Smith is and we also kind of know what Drew Locke is now yeah if you want to go down the narrative of Dulux not being given a fair shake, I can get on board with that. I can, I can, I can get on board with that all day long. Um, like, I agree with Josh. It, what's done is done now. We need to look forward. And I do really hope, like I said, that Pete can make it work with one of these two. And he can prove me wrong, prove a lot of people wrong, and just get back to what he did at the very beginning. Get out of Rush's shadow. Rush gets out of Pete's shadow. And then hopefully Pete can get back to his good old self. But, yeah, like, the quarterbacks, I don't rate Geno Smith. Like, I just don't. Like, <laughs> he had a really good game against Jacksonville, but stop. Okay, if, fucking if Jacksonville. I to, if I listen to another <laughs> fucking podcast. Jacksonville. I can't walk properly. <laughs> another game. If I listen to another podcast or read another tweet about, yeah, but Gino's game against Jacksonville, I reckon my three and a half year old son could go on the field against Jacksonville and do a really good show. Like, yeah, let's talk about when he bottled it against the Rams, let's talk about when he bottled it against the Steelers. Let's talk about when he comes up to a big Geno Smith is who Geno Smith is. This team. Let's talk about him losing start in QB roles. You know, he was drafted, was thrown, thrown into the Jets and then got binned off by the Jets for being shit. How shit do you have to be to be binned off by the Jets? Jesus. Right. Exactly. And this team have had him for numerous amounts of years now. Like, personally, and I know we, we 
off air we talked about we were going to save the QB battle, but at the end of the day, it's what everyone's talking about. You can't just not talk about it. So for me personally on the QB battle, I don't actually think it's a battle. I don't think it's an even footing. I think it's Drew Locks to lose. If he doesn't get rolling straight away, like they're saying he is getting rolling straight away, and he's getting more and more acclimated, and he's looking more and more confident, and things like that. If that carries on and that snowballs, Gene Smith doesn't have a chance. It would be a £7 million bench warmer. Or £7 million bench warmer, isn't he? He is, though. He is, man. If Baker Mayfield, hypothetically, was to come in, who would they cut out of Drew Locke and Gene Smith to to replace? Gene Smith. Gene Smith. Absolutely. You'd keep keep two young QBs, wouldn't you? And let them duke it out. Yeah. But then also, coming out of it as well, Pez, to back up your point, he's also, Pete's come out and said that no fan... Is, is potentially had the most electric and the best and most impressive camp of anyone. And who was one of Drew Locke's favourite targets in Denver? No fan. Knows, knows Drew Locke, has a connection with Drew Locke. It just it makes too much sense. And, and it, he's part of the trade package. You've got to use him. I'd, I'd just like to say, like, so, big up to that 12 man, 12 man North who actually tweeted yeah. us about uh, his input on this. And he, he pinpointed fan. Marfe and another one I think we need to discuss is Tariq Woolen. Yes, the oh, guy, I'm always that, up for a chat. That guy long, he long and fast. Yeah, is well, well, basically what Pete Carroll said. One minute before we move on from uh, yeah, the QB thing is is anyone who disagrees with my thinking that it's Drew's locks to lose, where, no matter what how they want to spin it to the media, is just go and listen to the comments on Drew Locke, go and listen to them speak about Drew Locke the whole time from that trade. Who wanted him in the trade? It was Pete and John who asked for him to be put in the trade. Realistically, they could have gone for Jonathan, they could have gone for Javonta Williams if they really wanted to. But maybe, like, obviously, at a, at a less about you, a draft capital, mm-hmm. but they're the ones who asked for Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. Like and then look at how they talk about Drew Locke and look how they talk about Gino. Well, Gino is the runner at the moment because he is more acclimated to the team. Oh, but Drew Locke's looking amazing day by day. Just go and look at, and listen to the wording of how they talk about both quarterbacks. Come back to me and tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that I'm wrong. My 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 best my my biggest gripe with that, if you will, is that oh, but you know, Gino might have the upper hand because he knows the system. He he could know the system as much as he wants, but the fact of the matter is, he's not as good a QB as Drew Locke's got the potential to be. So, are you going to risk someone who doesn't potentially know every single running route or every single play for a higher upside, or are you going to get a mediocre QB who's bounced around and has been the backup to Russell Wilson and had a couple of decent games to come in and try and win you football games because he knows the playbook. Are you bollocks? Not a chance. Nah. I, I, Drew Locke. Yeah. Uh, and then so, so, put that to bed. <laughs> I, uh, I, I saw a tweet saying, yeah, but people need to realise that they're going to they're going to, to create the offense around Geno Smith. All right, you're the same person who's saying they're going to win four games this year. <laughs> you create an offense around Geno Smith. We won't win one. 
it will take one singular game for the whole league to go, all right, this is easy. <laughs> like, like, I don't like Teddy Bridgewater, like I've stated, to glove Teddy. He, he is a poor man's two glove Teddy because at least Teddy can come out and shock a few people for three games and then get found out. I reckon Gino just gets found out straight away. Yeah. He's been in the league long enough, you know. He's had he's had two bites of that cherry. It's it's never going to happen. He's never going to be a full time starter. It was like we'll give you seven mil because you know how to hold the clipboard and you know what's happening. If Drew Lock goes tits up, then halfway through the season we'll probably put you in one last tarah and then you're out the door when it comes to next year's draft. Job done. Tariq, Woolen, Tariq, Woolen, Tariq. We've all been sort of hankering for this. Pez, <laughs> do, do, do not. <laughs> Go on then. You're wagging your fingers sarcastically, so I've got to come to you. I wasn't sarcastic about it. I was just going to leave it till the end after we spoke about Tariq Willen, but I was just going to talk about my guy. Oh, go on then. Getting the green chip on his uh, helmet. Oh, God. Mr. Signal Caller himself. <laughs> Jordan Brooks, man, Brooks running, running the, running the show now, my guy. Oh, oh, I'm excited. Tariq, Wallen, Tariq, Wallen. There we go. Now we can talk. Now we're on to it. Tariq, Wallen, Tariq. Six foot, six foot four. Absolute freak of a man. Two hundred and five pounds. And a four point two six forty yard dash. Did you see the still I... image of, yeah. <laughs> granted it was Penny Hart catching the touchdown, but did you see how long he was? It, it looked like it was photoshopped, it looked like Stretch Armstrong. Oh, it I could send that to the RSPB, which for any non-British listeners is, <laughs> is, is like the bird association of the United Kingdom. And they would think that I've identified a rare bird of some <laughs> a rare species, like his wingspan is ridiculous. The freak and opposite him, they've got Cole Bryant, who also is, is a freak. And interestingly, Jamal Adams has come out and said in his press conference this week that he, when he was asked specifically about Kobe Bryant, he, he said he's definitely a steal, looks the part, um, said he kind of went under the radar, like we've touched on this pod, being opposite uh, Source Gardner. Um, but he was playing just as well as Source Gardner and, and shutting just as many guys down. Um uh, I, I, this is this is the position group that I'm most excited about coming out of the draft. Is the, is those two corners that we picked up? Um, I, but yeah, Tariq Wallen. We will continue. I will anyway, as we all will continue to bang the table for him. We, we don't. We won't even need to because he'll show it on the field because he is ridiculous. Um, but Tariq Wallen, my God, um, I can't wait to see him in training camp when the pads come on um, and, and just see him being physical and flying around and and. It, it, there's nothing better than, especially in Seattle, when, when we're accustomed to it in the Pete Carroll era, seeing these long, rangy, ball-hawky, hard-hitting cornerbacks playing lights-out football. And, and I think that's what we're going to get with Tariq Wollin. Um might, might might be a slow process because obviously he is quite raw. And he, I'm not going to say he's going to come in and, and be an all-pro straight away, but... Um, he, he, yeah, he, he looks... Give, he looks give him a year. Give him a year. I've, I've just... I've been watching highlight videos of him and the thing that the, the drum i've been banging about our cornerback room based after last last year's play is that i just want us to have cornerbacks who are going to hit people and make them scared to run at them mm. now Tariq woolen with that freak speed and you look at some of his highlights is him closing down a 10 15 yard oh. you know gap and absolutely folding someone and it 
it's exciting to think about the potential. I don't want to, I don't want to hype it up too much because we've done this before. Like, you know, you've your bloody Richard Pennies, your Thomas Rawls's, there's loads of people out there that we, we they've all the potential in the world, but sometimes it just doesn't click. Now he's a this guy's a rare freak where he's got that size, weight, speed. People, normal people don't have that. I'm sorry. It's like he's made in a lab. Oh, it, you know, he, he, he makes you realise. He makes you realise and remember that you were born from the shallow end of the genetics pool. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Shallow end of the gene pool. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's, it's just, it, it's ridiculous watching some of the stuff that he does. And you think that he's so raw as well. It's when I said he, he was born like, in a lab. I think it was a lab that was probably commissioned by Pete Carroll to give him his perfect prototype of a cornerback. It wasn't he made in play wide games, receiver was for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> strange that he wasn't made in that lab. Nice. That was a nice I would have loved to have seen the video of the in the press conference where they said that the overthrown ball and he's yeah. like striding after. I would have loved to have that's like a that's like a cheater chasing its prey in the fucking in the wild a bit. Just striding. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, when you when when you think about having players like that, like you, it, you then don't have the fear of playing people like your Tyreek Hills, who can burn pretty much any cornerback in the league. When you've got someone like that, like I said, give it a year when he actually knows how to play, and Pete mm. spent some one on one time with him and stuff like that. When you line him up against people like that, providing you can match them. They're not going to get past him, or they're not going to outrun him. He's going to be going step for step with them, which then just takes out those massive plays from the the big time receivers. Mm. It's the type of type of cornerback you'd want to have on someone like DK Metcalf when he Do runs what, a straight route. Like. Yeah. Do you know what it is as well? When I look at this group of cornerbacks that they've put together now, they've got an answer for everything that could be thrown at them potentially. Technically, you've got Tariq one if you're going up against a Tyree kill. Yet put him on the speedster, he'll cover him. Kobe Bryant, so if you've got a better route runner, put yeah, put Kobe Bryant on him, he can shut down him. And then Trey Brown as well, you know, quick guy, bit of a bit of a jack of all trades, Trey Brown he is bangs quick people. He is, yeah, bangs people. We've got cornerbacks to fit every kind of receiver now to cover them. And and it's just such an exciting group going forward. Um is is there anyone else coming out of uh, out of minicamp or any headlines, news stories that we'd like to touch upon? Um, not, not they, they're the main ones, aren't they? Really, because it it, all anyone wants to talk about is the uh, quarterback competition. Mm. And like you said, um, I do think another thing I do think uh, is something to look forward to is the tight end usage. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, Drew Lock, I just think he he's going to get that room, and it's a bit like the corner cornerbacks. Really, you've got. All styles of tight end. They've got your receivers. You've got your blockers. Like, and it'll be really interesting for him to get a rapport with them guys and watch them actually get used. Like uh, Colby Parkinson in the red zone. Yeah. Drew Lock off cue said, brought his name up and just said he's going to be a weapon in the red zone. Like mm-hmm. he he's, he's going to be one of the best red zone threats in the mm-hmm. NFL and all this. Um. And obviously, Noah Fan, you kind of do it all guy. And then you got Disley, who's a great blocker. But let's not forget, before Disley took his he's got hands, bad injuries, he's got hands. He was 
that season, I can't remember what season it was when he picked his first injury up. It was he was like season, wasn't it? I think wasn't he was the leading season? receiver? Yeah, yeah, in touchdowns mm-hmm. for us, like. And Mr. I don't use tight ends, so if he can do it with him, I'm sure he can get himself open for a Drew Lock and a, just a Drew Lock. Let's not talk about Drew. Yeah, that, yeah, that's not talk about. I will give a quick mention to Jamal Adams as well because he's came out and also said this uh, this from from minicamp that basically when he was explaining that he's like Chris Carson had his fingers sort of fused together now. Um, I can't remember which ones exactly, but he's basically sort of described it as as having to play one handed. But those two middle ones. He's basically described it as having to play one-handed for the last two years, and now that although he can't sort of fully make a fist with that hand, he feels a lot better, and 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 he feels sort of well two-handed again, in 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 for for lack of a better description. Um, so that could potentially be an interesting. Are we going to see a, a better Jamal Adams again in terms of his coverage and his hands? You know, because he did drop a few interceptions, and we put that down to his to his lack of sort of skills tracking the ball. How we could have seen now with his his bat hand, you know, that 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 could be something to keep an eye on. On um, talk about Jamal Adams, just going on a little bit of a tangent. I'm and we'll probably cover this on another pod, but I'm looking forward to seeing. We said it before about the captains, because they can go one of two ways. If you pick someone like Lockett and Diggs as your captains, they're both quite level-headed, kind of understated. They know what they're doing and they've been in the league for a while. Fine. Or if you want to go all guns blazing, quite aggressive, you've got to go with your DK Metcalfs and your Adamses. Uh, I think that's, that's food for thought for our listeners, for us guys as well, for another pod. And I think we we need to have a look into that because I'd be really intrigued to see how Pete goes. I was going to, uh, with, with Jamal, um, you just gave me a thought then, Josh. With Jamal, I was going to say, we said off air about Jamal, how he's been very quiet. And I was very interested. So when like all the pictures and the stills and videos came out, I watched them all because I wanted to see when the camera wasn't on him, but it caught him. Like, was he his normal self? Was he happy? Was he... Because it's, it's strange for a player like him to just go so dark. Yeah. He's normally posting something, but then I, I, I said it to you guys in our chat, and I was like, do you know what? The one person I've not seen anything from, with all the banter on Twitter, what Lockett and Diggs and all them that I've been having, I've not seen anything from Jamal. No one's tagging him in stuff. He's not getting involved in anything. And then I looked, and it's like from March like a ghost mm-hmm. and then he turned up and I I wouldn't even say he's is loud like he didn't obviously it's only still pictures and mini clips to me he, he just looked, he didn't look like his normal happy go lucky self what he normally is get on to the uh, the list of free agents and any sort of trade potential obviously because it still is free agency a lot of it you know at the minute is, is the headlines from mini camp and coming into training camp but there are still moves to be made and signings potentially to be struck um it, it's not a particularly deep list in terms of the free agents that are potentially still available that would interest seattle there's a couple of names that we've, we've sort of picked out in terms of potential ones that could make some form of sense for me potentially jc tretter from cleveland the center i know you've got austin blythe but it, you know do you want some competition i know we've, we've touched on him here with that we've we've got dakota shepley um, but JC Trey has been a really good centre. Um, could that be something, depending on his price tag, that would potentially be too tempting for the Seahawks to turn down? He is 31, so he's not potentially that much of a long-term option, but I'm sure JC Trey will give whoever signs him another good three, four years of a very decent play at the centre position. So is that something you want to look at? 
maybe Eric Fisher's still there, obviously, for me. Potentially an interesting one, but after this draft class, do you really need him? Um, I don't know about you guys. Is there anyone that you've kind of picked out or, or, or trades-wise that potentially you, you think could be an option? Um, uh, for me, I look at the... Uh, the only group I'd be interested in free agency, in my opinion, is... Like centered a lot, the the O line you can always be looking to improve the O line where you can, but for me it's just the linebacker group because if you look at our list, like you've got Brooks, Barton, BBK, Ragan, you have the guy from the Bears, Iggy, is it what everyone calls him, and then obviously yeah people are talking about dropping. Uh, Daryl Taylor into like a linebacker spot but realistically BBK and Rattigan both have really bad injuries like Rattigan's really quite fresh and BBK unfortunately I would have loved to do it because he's like a tackling monster and things like that but realistically he's done now Aaron Donko um, I know. I know it's, it's, going to be, it's just a, it's a token for him to go to Germany. Like, oh yeah, hundred percent. international. How many international player pathway players make it into full time rosters? Christian Wade was one of the most electric professional rugby players in England, and got through the international player pathway. Went to Buffalo, scored a sixty yard touchdown with his first touch of a ball, and still made didn't make the active roster. Went practice squad cut. Now, Aaron Doncor, people say he's all right and he's improving, but that everyone improves every single year. You want to do, if you're a professional athlete, if you're not improving under a professional sort of performance director or training, you don't deserve to be there anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm with Pez. My, my choice would be linebacker, but I'm, I'm waiting to see what he says. Realistically, Doncor is going to go to the Euro- European League of Football, essentially, Probably. isn't he? He's got Probably. one more year as a free roster spot. And then, realistically, he's probably going to get caught. XFL? (laughs) Something like that? Maybe the XFL. It's it's the graveyard of ex-NFL players, so it could could work if he went that way. I just don't see him making an active roster. Yeah, so he'd probably go back to Germany and play in his home, home league, what seems to be getting some decent traction in Europe. So you probably, I'd imagine he'd go and do that. But I'll just get on to a few players who have highlighted who, as far as I'm aware, are still free. Is Quan Alexander still free? Yes, he was on my list. But there's a better one than Quan. See, based on the tackling numbers. I'm looking at, I'm looking at kind of veteran presence to help the group. And you've got Anthony Hitchens, who used to be the Chiefs captain for many a year. Mm. He he's been, he's still not re-signed. Deontay Hightower, Quan Alexander, and it's Anthony oh, Barr, I think, is still there from the Vikings, yeah. the ex-Vikings linebacker. Anthony Barr, and they're the kind of ones I was looking for. Uh, look, well, they're the ones I'm kind of looking at just because of their leadership. Now, Quan Alexander's very unrealistic because he's going to cost far too much. He's only 27. Whereas you look at Anthony Barr and you bring in the Quan Alexander 
you're almost then saying that you do you, how much faith do you have in Jordan Brooks? Mm. Because that's the kind of level Quan Alexander is in my mm-hmm. like, opinion. Whereas you get an Anthony Barr who's an aging player, a Deontay Hightower, a Hitchens, them aging players who can just help the younger guys grow. They can they can like Anthony Hitchens at 30, he can come in and he can help Jordan Brooks mm. grow into the signal calling leader of that defense. Yeah. I think if you were to bring in a Quan Alexander, he's going to command a starting role, isn't he? Whereas if yeah. you bring in an Anthony Barr at 32, or like you said, a Hitchens at 30, they're probably going to be content with a, a, a squad depth role, a rotation role, not going to be demanding to be starting every down. Um, whereas Quan Alexander at 27, he's still going to be wanting to, you know, he, he's a starter and, and that's fair enough. So it, it wouldn't make sense from that perspective and I wouldn't want him to take game time away from from your man Jordan Brooks or Onuwosu who I really like and and, and even Daryl Taylor so um, yeah it wouldn't make sense for me um, but it's an interesting name um, but yeah it doesn't really make too much sense I'd go again on the inside linebacker I'd go Joe Schobert so every season after his rookie season, he's had over 100 tackles. So last season, he was 112. Um, solid bit of linebacker that's, that's with a, a bit of a veteran presence. He's only 28, but still. Mm-hmm. He, I know he's currently visited or last visited with the Saints. But to someone to be of that but steady veteran presence in the middle in case anything happens to Cody Barton, because uh, let's face it, Rattigan has got a... He's out, but he only got injured in December, but I think it's his ACL tear or something. He's going to be out for the best part of a year. BBK, unfortunately, is done pretty much, um, apart from if you give him a special teams role. And then we've got Iggy, but he's in there again for special teams. I think we have someone like Joe Schober in the background behind Barton who and Brooks, and it's Barton's job to lose now. Brooks is going to be incumbent regardless. I think that's, that's a decent backup there. Um, we did have once again uh, 12-man North said he'd want Justin Houston to be a veteran presence to help our young edge group um, it's not really something that he'd advocate but it seems like the only semi-realistic option to be honest based on the free agents that are out there <laughs> so fair play to that um, I, I, I genuinely just think that I don't I don't foresee us signing anyone over the age of 30 mm. um, I think Pete and John have got an idea of what they want now and that's having a young team that they can carry forward because so, yeah, that's really, my only one you could just sign KJ Wright, a guy who knows the scheme anyway. If you want a bit of experience at linebacker, I know he's not middle linebacker, but if you wanted experience at outside linebacker, you could just sign KJ Wright, really. Um, he, he's practically begging on his knees outside yeah. of the VMAC every single day to be signed. So you could just sign Just, just, just visit it, just passing. Yeah. He's been begging it that much. So he's got his clearance He's got his clearance revoked at the VMAC. He's, just, he's, he's taking a tour every day, just turns up it's in different clothes. Tour of the facility every day, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I'm just coming on a tour, yeah, me for the tour. Oh, John, fancy seeing you here again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it's it's one of those aging veterans. Like again, he, for a locker room point of view, it'd be fine. But I think if he did came in, he'd, he'd literally just be a bit part player, and he'd be there to try and help the young lads out. But then, employ him as a coach, you'd probably pay him less. Yeah, provided he's got the qualifications, you employ him as assistant coach. Deshaun Shedd's come in, and he's now the cornerbacks coach or assistant cornerbacks coach. Mm-hmm. Why not have KJ in there to be the assistant linebackers coach? 
it's an interesting option. It's an interesting option. I think he would be a good coach as well. Um, but if there's no one else that we think that could potentially that we'd like to or, or, or is available that we'd like to potentially pick up before training camp, before the season, then uh, we'll wrap it up. No one I can think of. No. No. Nope. Genuinely, I, I exhausted that list the other day when we started talking about it. I scrolled and scrolled and scrolled. And I found Quan Alexander and went, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I found Schulbert, which I thought was the only realistic option. I like so. it. I'd take Schulbert. Um, but yeah, for now, that, that's been another episode of the We Talk Seahawks podcast. We've got some very special guests lined up in the coming weeks. Um, so I, I can't wait for you all to, to hear those. We're really excited over here. Um, so we're looking forward to getting those done. Um, a few little shouts out as, as well. You can always find the Seahawks UK community fan site on Instagram and Twitter at Seahawks UK. Um, more importantly, you can always find the We Talk Seahawks podcast accounts on Instagram and Twitter as well. Just simply search We Talk Seahawks. Uh, we're also going to be launching a Discord chat room for you guys to come in and chat with us and 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 sort of just a better way of interacting with you guys and and, and, and another option for you guys to, to, to be more closely connected with the podcast. Um, and it's a chance for you guys to come in, chat with us, um, ask questions, potentially have your questions featured on the podcast that we'll reply to and get into on the show. Um, and it's just a good way to hang out with some fellow Seahawks fans and, and get to meet some people and, and, and talk some Seahawks with us. Um, as you can tell, we, we, we do love a chat about the Seahawks, so you're more than welcome. Um, and yeah, any, anything goes. So we'll, we'll put the links out onto all the social media platforms for that when, when it goes live um, once this podcast has been released. Um, so do feel free and we do hope that you all come over and say hello on there and, and, and we'll see you on there. Um, is that all for the shout outs, Josh? I, I, I'm racking my mind. That, that is... We've got the fantasy, well, the fantasy Football League yes, we're setting up. the Fantasy League, yeah. Um, how many spots are available left in, in, in the Fantasy League that we're doing? Um, About eight? Yeah. We're doing a 12-man 12 12-man 12 league. Um, stretch it to 14 max. Gets a bit ridiculous That's at that point, you. doesn't it? Yeah. But yeah, 12-man league, we've got eight spots. Seven. Yeah. Seven spots. Seven spots seven still spots. available. Okay. Yeah. So like I said, that's that's a first come, first serve basis. Again, we'll put the information on that out on social media. Um, or you can reach out to us and kind of book your place if you want. If you want to just reach out to us and say, I, I, I want to join the Fancy League, then we'll we'll get you in the league as well, provided that there's still room left. Um, we'll be doing a pick'em league as well once the season gets up and running, which you're all more than welcome to join. Um but other than that, I think that's that for the shout outs and the and the plugs for the end of this episode. Unless Josh, you've got any more because I know you're the shout outs guy and you keep telling me <laughs> that I need to do more shout outs. No, 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 no. At the moment, no, just a massive thanks to everyone that sort of interacted with us on Instagram um, yeah. and Twitter at the moment. It's, it's really good to hear your guys' thoughts. Keep them coming. You know, feel free to, to direct message us. We're more than happy to fill any questions. Like I said, you may get it all read out uh, like our friend at 12 Man North today and we'll be more than happy to brilliant well like I say lads thank you very much again for jumping on the podcast and talking all about the Seahawks uh, like I said we do have some special guests lined up over the coming weeks or two so some, we've got some really good and interesting content coming for you to fill these miserable lonely 
hours of the off season before the the fun starts again in a couple of months um so for now though that's been another episode of the we talk to podcast thanks josh thanks pez uh, thank you all for listening as always please do go and do the shout outs that we've said um and we can't wait to see you guys on there but for now thanks very much for listening as always and go hawks go hawks, hawks.